It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the 12th floor, 50-pin place in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the home of 1340 The Game and News Radio 1000 KTOK, welcome to the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Thanking you so much for making us a part of your day. Coming up on this episode of Locked On Thunder We'll talk about the most important takeaways from the back-to-back with the Jazz and the Kings, and I'll try and squeeze in as many of them as I can in segment number one. We'll also hear from Billy Donovan on the physicality of that game with the Jazz, and I'll tell you why I think it was very important for Oklahoma City to play as physical as they did with Utah and how that sets up for what might be a first-round playoff matchup with the Jazz coming up here in just a few weeks. Also, we'll talk about Paul George. When did he become clutch? How did he become clutch? What ultimately does it do for Oklahoma City in the playoffs? And there's a big thing it does. It takes the weight off somebody's shoulders. I think you know who who it is. But why that's going to help Oklahoma City. And then third, the last thing we'll talk about today is that schedule. Going down the stretch for Oklahoma City comparing it to what the Blazers and the Rockets have ahead of them. Those two teams are on the Thunder's heels, and it still could mean a first-round matchup with the Jazz, but it also means possibly a second-round matchup with the Golden State Warriors, and the Thunder want to avoid that at all costs. No matter how much I think the Thunder match up with the Warriors, still like to have them a little bit more beaten down before they rush into a series. My name is Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game and News Radio 1000 KTOK here in Oklahoma City. I'm a credentialed member of the media. I've been lucky enough to cover the Thunder for five years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes and listen in your car. Um, You can listen to this podcast on the way to work. We got locked on Sooners you can listen to on the way home. You can reverse that. Maybe you can listen to two episodes of Locked on Thunder in a day, going wherever you want to go. But just tell your smart device to play the Locked on Thunder podcast, and boom, it's right there. Let's talk about the most important takeaways from the games with the Kings and the Jazz here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. And I don't know if you thought of this, but this is the first thing that came to my mind is, one, First and foremost, the importance of Andre Robertson to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Ah, I bet you didn't think I was going to go there today. Well, if you follow my tweets, then you know exactly that that's where I was going to go. But look at what Terrence Ferguson had to deal with. In game one, you're covering Donovan Mitchell, playoff hero for the Utah Jazz. In game number two, it's Buddy Heald who shoots darn near 50% from beyond the arc. And ideally, what you would have liked to have had in both those games is a veteran like Andre Robertson start, play as close to lockdown defense as you possibly can on both these guys, give Terrence Ferguson a chance to watch 
how they're being played, then he could come off the bench, do as best as he could to play against both those guys, or you're playing against bench players from both Utah and Sacramento, so you're not you're not having to deal as tough a task. And then once your defense gets going, it starts generating offense for you. And in game number two, especially that Kings game, in the first game one, it looked like Terrence Ferguson was absolutely winded in that first half. His shots weren't falling. It was lazy mechanics to, to some extent, which is completely understandable. So don't think that I'm sitting here ripping the guy. But after you had just spent that whole night covering Donovan Mitchell, trying not to foul out, which was huge for Oklahoma City. And if you'd have had Andre Robertson, you could have kept Terrence Ferguson from fouling out. And then he would have been more useful to you, obviously, in overtime because he'd have been on the floor. And he might have been able to give you some of those timely threes that he's become so good at over the last few months. And the other thing with, you know, you can say that this is multiple times now that you've played the Jazz and the Kings. Shouldn't he have a good idea of guarding these guys? Yes. Yes, he should. Okay. But they've got more experience than he does. And remember, their games are always evolving as well. So what you may have guarded at one point in the season has completely changed or changed enough that by the second time you see it, it's a little bit different and it throws you off to an extent where you've got to figure out what to do on the fly. And against those two guys, it's very hard to do. And that's why when it comes to the playoffs, if you are playing Utah, well, heck, it comes to, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you want Andre Robertson to return. Now, I'm still in that category of thinking that he is not going to return because of all the setbacks that he has suffered this past year with that knee and that he just he can't get on the floor. I would have thought that if he was going to be on the floor, it would have happened by now. But the later it gets in the season, the more I doubt. I just hope that he can come back to avoid, if Oklahoma City plays Utah in the first round, having a guy like Terrence Ferguson spend too much time on the bench because Oklahoma City, as much as they need his defense, with as porous as the three-point shooting can be for this team, they definitely need his offense to separate themselves from whoever they're playing. The other big takeaway from this, and yes, we'll get to playoff P and him getting clutch, is that Oklahoma City is now 3-0 and against Utah. It's also worth noting they were 3-1 and against Utah last year and still ended up getting beat in the playoffs. So I don't know, especially with the Kings. Real quick, let me say this. If somehow Oklahoma City were to play the Kings in the playoffs, I would not take that series, this regular season series, into consideration as much because there are two games, this game on Saturday night, where they caught Oklahoma City after a double overtime game against one of the most physical teams that always play, or against a team that plays Oklahoma City extremely physical in the Jazz, and it was a double overtime game. You also caught them early in the season on Russ's first game back, they were in the middle of a five-game losing streak and weren't quite themselves. So I don't, I would think that the Thunder would be able to take the Kings in in a series. And I also like the matchup and the fact that the Kings like to play fast, the Thunder like to play fast, full rested Thunder tempo is not going to be a big issue, and the Thunder just have more experience and better players. So ultimately, it gives them the edge over the Kings. When it comes to the Jazz, though. You had to send a message. 
And there's a couple of things that I loved in that game that I hope that that I hope you notice. One, Paul George and Joe Ingles were kind of going at it back and forth, which they always do. But for Paul George last year, I thought the physicality of that series rattled him, where now he seems to embrace it. He wants to get under Joe Ingles' skin just as much as Joe Ingles wants to get under Paul George George's skin. And if you can do anything you possibly can to throw Ingles off a little bit, who's been a who's been a Thunder Killer, then that is going to give you an opportunity to. It's going to give you much more of an opportunity to take this team in a seven game series. The other thing that I liked that the Thunder did, and it came from Russell Westbrook, was the flagrant foul on Rudy Gobert. Because Gobert's another guy who's been a Thunder killer. And I don't really think he got the best of Steven Adams on Friday night. If anything, it was a 50-50 match. But if you can let Rudy Gobert know that you've come to play, and then Russ always embraces it when it comes to Ricky Rubio and he wants to show him up. But you, last year, the Jazz were able to just unravel an Oklahoma City team who, A, not as good as they are this year, but B, certainly didn't look like they were ready for any of the physicality that the Jazz were going to throw at them, and that's not the case this year. And I have a Jazz fan that listens to the podcast and uh, tweeted me and said he didn't know if Dennis Schroeder was going to be able to take the physicality. I'll go TBD. I'll be nice on Schroeder to, to that. I'd like to think that now that he's seen the Jazz three times, he knows what to expect. But just as we said with Terrence Ferguson, even if you know what to expect, it doesn't mean that you can adjust. And if for some reason Dennis Schroeder can't adjust to this, it's going to be a problem for the Thunder. Because Schroeder needs to, as we've seen with Schroeder, he needs to feel comfortable in the offense to make those shots. He needs to feel like... He needs to feel like everything is hitting on all eights, that he's well protected, that he's got open space, and then he's going to be better. If for some reason that's not happening with him, I can see him having a miserable series. And if he's having a miserable series, then the Thunder are going to have a hard time making up for his lack of scoring coming off that bench. And that that is, if you talk about all the things that worry me with the Jazz, bench plays a big thing for me with Oklahoma City is that has desperately got to get better. And I thought, real quick, I, I, I didn't have it on the rundown. Markeith Morris, I thought, played pretty darn well, especially in that second game. I don't know. I don't know. I really had no idea what to expect from him since he hadn't played since the 26th. And the thing I love is now you've got a really, at least for two games, you've got an ample backup for a guy like Jeremy Grant that you just didn't have. In, in Patrick Patterson. Now, that being said, it's two games. And before I go full judgment on Markeith Morris, and I think he plays very physical defense, I like the fact that he seems to shoot the ball with a lot more confidence than what Patrick Patterson is shooting right now. And there is some extra scoring that the Thunder desperately need coming off that bench to help get them over the top. I love all that. But I got to see it more than one game. Real quick, physicality. Here is Billy Donovan prior to the Kings game talking about the physicality that Utah played with against Oklahoma City. Billy, did you feel like the foul situation last night? Did you feel like it was something that your guys were doing incorrectly in terms of defensively, or did you feel like 
there were kind of some calls in there mixed in that they necessarily weren't good to them in terms of the way that they were filming. I mean, in all honesty, I think it was a really, really hard game to officiate last night. You know, it was really, really physical. Um, you know, I think that um, those guys did as good of a job as they possibly could have, you know, trying to stay consistent. But the game started right off from the get-go, right, really, really physical. And, um, you know, so what happens is I think when there's, when there's fouls that guys, on both sides, that guys feel that should be called that are not, it gen generally raises a level of aggressiveness on the other end of the floor. And then sometimes, you know, you're getting fouls called. So um, it, it, was a, it was a really, really physical game. Clearly we fouled too much and put him to the free throw line too much. Um, but again, I think it was a really, really physical game and a hard game to officiate. How much of that was part of the game plan last night for you guys to be as physical as you were? Well, we'd always want to be physical without fouling try to get our length and our athleticism and speed into the game. Um, you know, they, 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 they tried to play very, very physical, you know, certainly with Paul, you know, early in the game. Um, you know, and again, I think it's, it's something that's going to be interesting going forward because there was a huge emphasis on freedom of movement and taking away a guy's timing and his rhythm and his speed and all those kind of things. And, um, you know, clearly maybe earlier in the year a lot of that stuff maybe had been called you know, a little bit earlier, but like I said, I thought the consistency in the game by the officials was good. It just was a very, very physical game. You know, it wasn't like it was a one half was filled with a bunch of free throws and the other half wasn't. Um, I thought they were consistent going through, but like I said, it was it was it was a physical game. And when it comes to the officials, playoff basketball different than regular season basketball. I would I would attribute that to officials getting ready for the playoffs and understanding the guys are going to want to be more physical in those playoff games. And as far as fouling or playing physical defense without fouling, sometimes it's just not possible depending on how the referee's calling the game. And if that is the case, then Oklahoma City is going to have to just get a lot better at the free throw line and deal with the fact that Utah may be going more than they want them to. And look, if you're going to play physical, you take that risk. You just have to decide whether or not that risk is worth it. And if I'm Oklahoma City, I don't change much of my game plan based on how successful they were against the Jazz on Friday night. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, you might think you know when Paul George became clutch, but I'll tell you exactly when he became clutch next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed.
This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The best way to listen is in your car. Just have your smart device play us. Tell your smart device to play the Locked On Thunder Podcast or the Locked On Sooner Podcast or any of the other great podcasts we have in this network. I always say listen to one on the way to work, listen to one on the way home. If you're taking the kids someplace, it's a great way to enjoy what we do here at the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team Every single day as we talk Paul George and him becoming clutch. And I know, I know, I remembered this as I was getting ready to do this second segment. I didn't mention Abdul Nader coming off the bench and sinking a big three. A big three that, in fact, Joe Ingles made the statement that that one hurt was Nader's three even more than George hitting one late and then George's floater and whatever And as much as I like Abdul Nader and him showing that he can be clutch in a big moment, and it was great that he did it on Friday night in a very intense overnight game, I would ask the question, can you do it in the playoffs? Because it's a much different intensity. It's even what you saw on Friday night gets kicked up about 50 notches in the playoffs with the physicality, Uh, more or less just everything being magnified and scrutinized and dissected by everyone on TV and on podcast and on radio, etc. Can Abdul Nader handle that? And that's just something we don't know. And that's a concern of mine going into the playoffs. It was great on Friday night, but let me see you do it in the playoffs before I start crowning you as a clutch player coming off the bench. Now, Paul George is definitely clutch. This year, Paul George has hit three shots with 10 seconds or less on the clock with the game only being one possession. Now, prior to this year, he was 0-15 when there was 20 seconds left on the clock and it was a potential game-winning situation. Now he's hit three. Now, one of the reasons why you could say that Paul George wasn't getting a lot of game winners is that Russell Westbrook, number one option, last year, and you had to earn Russ's trust, and then Danny Granger was also a guy that Indiana relied on for a while in those situations, and Paul kind of had to earn his stripes. But for Paul George, when he really became clutch, okay, when that tide turned, if you're wondering when it turned, it was the day this summer that he chose to re-sign with Oklahoma City, because that built trust with Russell Westbrook. Not only did that build trust with Russell Westbrook, but more importantly, it's relaxing Russell Westbrook. And yes, his triple-double streak came to an end on Friday against the Jazz. Should be noted that Russ does have, just a a footnote here, Russ does have three games of 40-plus points and was one of the main reasons that really... one One of the main reasons that the Thunder had a shot against the Kings on Friday night. Because Paul George, you could tell, just wasn't going to be able to do it after playing in the double overtime game. Russ fouling out against the Jazz. But with Russell Westbrook, now that he's relaxed and he knows he can trust Paul George, and he knows he's not the one that has to do it every single night, he can go down, he can just go play basketball, and he doesn't have the weight of the Thunder rolling on his shoulders every single night that he plays. He can get his teammates involved. He knows that if something happens to him, Paul can carry him. Because ultimately, that's what Russell Westbrook wants, is he wants to win 
more than he wants to rack up stats as he gets accused of, Russell Westbrook wants to win. And a lot of what he does, he does, he does because he feels it's out of necessity. I don't think Russ not only minds sharing the spotlight with Paul George, but if people want to start this argument that it's becoming Paul George's team and not Russell Westbrook's team, Russell Westbrook doesn't care. And the reason that's important is because when you trust your teammates and you don't care that somebody's getting more pub than you or they're going to be the MVP and you're not, all you can really do is relax and just go out and play your game and that's ultimately going to help the Thunder. You want a re- you you want as relaxed Russell Westbrook as you can get, and he's a completely intense guy. But if he can stay relaxed and continue to involve Paul George and give him those opportunities, then the Thunder have an opportunity to really go far in the playoffs. Speaking of Paul George, here he is um, after the Jazz game, and he starts off talking about his floater that seemed to go about 50 feet up in the air before it came down. Uh, yeah, I had to get it up there. Um, but... Uh... I know they was, you know, preaching the whole game. Um, I can hear that bench saying, you know, for Gobert to take a charge um, with the contact I was going towards the basket. So um, I just saw a play where he was, you know, playing the drive um, as if I was going to go towards him again. And I saw a little gap that I had to shoot the floater. Um, it's a shot that I work with, so just thank God it went in. <laughs> when you work on it, Paul, do you have to, do you shoot it that high? Uh, I, I mix it up. I mix it up. You know, sometimes I envision it's a shorter guy. Sometimes I envision it's a taller guy. Um, so I mix it up a little bit. Paul, you're down two in overtime, and you break out a windmill. What was uh, what was the thought process with going with that one? Well, that was a statement. That was a statement. Just let them know my legs is fresh. You know, it's gonna be a long, long OT uh, for that opposing team. Speaking of that, you played 50 minutes. We were just looking at it. You did zero turnovers tonight. How, with just as much as you have the ball, how much you're carrying, how were you able to be so efficient with the ball tonight? Uh, I was just in a good rhythm. You know, I was just in a good rhythm trying to find and make the right plays. Um, you know, it was just one of them nights. You forced them into 24 turnovers. Just how big of an impact was that on the game? Uh, I mean, that was the game. You know, we squeezed by. And, um, you know, we turned them over. Uh, we pretty much took care of the ball, so um, that was that was the game. Paul, how did you um, hit a three-pointer at the end of regulation? Oh, oh you did. Um, when Russell hit you with the pass, it was similar to the play against Brooklyn when he mm-hmm. pump fake the man and went by you. Is, is there confidence knowing that you guys can run some of the similar things you run in other games and still execute it the way you did tonight? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... It's just tough action uh, with me and Russ in it. Um, nobody can stay in front of Russ, and I can shoot over if they switch. So um, it's, it's, it puts a lot of team in, in a confusion of whether they should switch, whether they should stay home, whether they should show. Um, so it's good action for me and Russ. And thank you very much to News OK for the audio. My audio on Paul George wasn't that good, so thank you very much to News OK for supplying that. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. Coming up, whoo, the Thunder with the toughest schedule down the stretch in the NBA. What does that do for their playoff seating? We'll talk about it next. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, listen to Locked On Thunder in your car just by asking your smart device to play the Locked On Thunder Podcast or Locked On Sooners or any of the other fine Locked On Podcasts we have in the Locked On Podcast Network. We certainly do appreciate it, and I hope you appreciate it as well. Looking ahead on the Oklahoma City Thunder schedule, Denver coming up uh, tomorrow night in Denver. Always a tough game. Two more matchups with the Nuggets. The Thunder right now have the toughest schedule left in the NBA. In there, you've got a couple of games with the Raptors. You've got the Bucs. Um, you do have the Grizzlies, Mavs, and, and Timberwolves, who all may be in tank mode by the time that you get them. And certainly, uh, that would be helpful. But for some reason, whenever these teams play Oklahoma City, they get up for the Thunder. Maybe not so much the Heat, but definitely teams in their division want to beat them and make life tough, which I'm fine with because, again, get you a little bit more ready for the playoffs, get you tested. You've had a tougher mindset to deal with things. So when it comes to those first series, there's not really a whole lot anybody can throw at you intensity-wise that you haven't already faced. So I love that for the Thunder. What I don't like is because it's tough, and we've seen the Thunder take off nights this year, is that you're looking at Houston and Portland respectively. And they've got the 19th, or let me see, they've got the 20th and 21st ranked schedule. Now, everybody plays the Bucks. The Thunder have to play the Rockets. That is certainly going to help. Um, the Celtics are mixed in there for Portland, 76ers, and then... Um, they get both of these teams get to feast on the Hawks and the Grizzlies, the Suns and the and the Cavaliers, who are also in tank mode. My fear is is that Oklahoma City getting pushed night in night out can be a little physically exhausting. And even though you may be ready for the playoffs, you also may be drained. And there may be a couple of nights that we just see them go out unmotivated against the T-Wolves or against the Mavericks and they don't play their best. Well, maybe not so much the Mavericks. They like sticking it to Dallas. And Dallas likes sticking it to Oklahoma City. But are those nights that they're not motivated, they get caught. And when you're talking about one or two games difference, that's the difference between four seed, five seed, three seed. And the only reason that it matters is not that first round matchup, which I think the Thunder would beat Portland, even though it would go seven. Houston, I think Oklahoma City would beat them in six. And then there's the Jazz. I think that's a six, seven game series. Easy, physically draining one as well. And mentally draining one. But it's that playing Golden State in the next round. And yes, the Thunder have struggled against Denver. But playing against Golden State, I believe Oklahoma City can push Golden State. But ultimately, it's the Warriors' experience. 
It's their firepower beyond three, and at the times the Thunder don't defend the three very well. It's Boogie Cousins, if he's playing well. Steven Adams, which is asked to do a ton defensively. If he gets caught out on those guards, or if he has to go out beyond the arc and play Boogie, it may be a six-game series. It might be a seven-game series. But ultimately, I think Golden State wins that. And that, of course, would eliminate you from the Western Conference Finals. And that's what I want to avoid, is I'd rather just see the Thunder take their chances with Denver then with Golden State. This wraps up the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll start talking about that look ahead with Denver. We'll talk a lot more about that game coming up, and we'll dissect both of those teams. It's all right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. May God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody, and peace, love, and thunder. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.